Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a rancid paella of conspiracy theories and bullshit to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the overextended outrage fallacy. (laughs) Yeah, so a couple of episodes ago we interviewed Bo Bennett of Logically Fallacious. And uh, this is actually a, a... fallacy that he named in oh, his cool. collection yeah, yeah, yeah. and it does sound like the kind of slogan that lost out to fair and balance for fox news but it's <laughs> it's actually it's not about the amount of outrage coming from a small event as it yeah. kind of might sound like but it's about it's about a single event basically being extended to represent a whole group of people and, and being used mm. to demonize a, a larger group essentially yeah so our first example from trump relates to immigrants which is the group that he tries to demonize probably more than i mean he goes for a lot of groups probably more than to be fair there's there's a lot to choose from but immigrants are high up on the list yeah so this is from one of his weekly video briefings help me dad those were the last words spoken by kate steinley as she lay dying on a san francisco pier a precious young American woman killed in the primer of her life. Kate's death is a tragedy that was entirely preventable. She was shot by an illegal alien and a seven-time convicted felon who had been deported five times. But he was free to harm an innocent American because our leaders refused to protect our border and because San Francisco is a sanctuary city. In sanctuary states and cities, Innocent Americans are at the mercy of criminal aliens because state and local officials defy federal authority and obstruct the enforcement of our immigration laws. Last week, in a final injustice, Kate's killer was acquitted on all of most serious charges. Yeah. Mm. He was acquitted. (laughs) Yeah. Which I think kind of undercuts some of what Trump was saying. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He, um, to I be clear, he, yeah, he wasn't found guilty. <laughs> he was saying he wasn't found guilty of murder. Yeah, because what happened, according to the the, the case, and according to what the jury found plausible mm-hmm. in the case, was this this guy Garcia Zarate. He was a homeless immigrant, and he found a gun on a pier, and. According to the the firearms experts, the kind of the trajectory of the gun, it it fired, it went off, and hit the ground, mm-hmm. ricocheted, and then went another seventy eight feet and hit this woman Kate Steinley in the back. Yeah, it killed her. It, he he shot it and she died, and that's where yep. this kind of the the truth of what Trump is saying it ends really. Yeah, he he obviously wasn't a, a kind of a violent murdering illegal alien there's no reason to assume that he was trying to kill her that's not what the jury found and, and not what the 
the evidence appears to show. It's kind of weird that he's... he Well, it's not weird that he's using this case as an example after the guy was exonerated, partly because he doesn't seem to care yeah. when people are exonerated, like the Central Park Five, but also because he was using this case as, an, as one of his kind of go-to examples mm. of illegal aliens injuring and killing people for for months before this so obviously he can't admit that it turns out this wasn't a good example yeah yeah Yeah. and that said he has had other examples that he's used that were perfectly good examples of illegal immigrants killing people Mm. and and yes there are examples of that but that doesn't mean you can demonize illegal immigrants as a whole (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because cause what he's not doing is demonising the entire police force because of one or two policemen. Yeah, well, he's fouled. taking great pains not to do that. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's, you know, using the bad apple argument on that yes. side, but not for immigration. And Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, as we've discussed before, the statistics show that illegal immigrants are less criminal than the american population legal immigrants um you know documented immigrants are are significantly less likely to commit crimes than the kind of the american population as a whole so yeah yeah it doesn't bear out what he's the point he's trying to make and the, the fact that you know he's saying essentially we need to we need to get rid of immigrants so our second trump example is about the current autonomous zone in Seattle, mm-hmm. which has now been renamed to CHOP, which is Capitol Hill Organised Protest or something like that. Um, oh, I, I mean, there's a few different yeah. backronyms for it. Yeah. But yeah, Trump doesn't classify these people as protesters. He said he tweeted, domestic terrorists have taken over Seattle, run by radical left Democrats, of course. Law and order. So, yeah, he is... He, <laughs> He has taken the fact that among all of the protests all across America, some violence has occurred, called right. that domestic terror, yeah. uh, which is not the same thing at all, yeah. and then said that these people in Seattle who have essentially created a kind of Occupy Wall Street kind of camp yeah. in th- now three city blocks, it was six when they started, but they negotiated with the kind of local authorities to reduce the area mm-hmm. that they've taken over an entire city. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is run by radical left Democrats. So yeah, what, yeah, so absolutely. is they uh, is that the, is that Seattle or is that it, the that's, domestic well, terrorists? Uh Seattle as the mayor is Democrat and Washington State, Jay Inslee, the Democrat governor. The thing is they're fine with it, the the authorities in Seattle, largely, yeah. because it has been an extremely peaceful mm protest over the over a matter of weeks now trump yep. doesn't accept that no, no of course <laughs> and not. thinks they should go in with the military and take their city back so yeah take back control yeah, yeah. and then and then just shouting law and order at the end. <laughs> law and order law and yeah, order. he does that a lot yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, what is that? So is is he saying <laughs> one, that it's it's filled with law and order? Because it is uh, it's it's hard there. to say. One of the tweets he did, uh, he's been doing it occasionally over the last few weeks. Is just yeah. a, a, a kind of all caps 
shout. And one one he did was just law and order. And people started <laughs> tweeting back at him in all caps, other um, TV crime shows. <laughs> Excellent. <Yeah. laughs> That's brilliant. Starsky and Hodge. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, and actually, we got we got tweeted. I got forwarded that tweet um, <laughs> by other members of the Outburst because we have a song called "Law and Order," oh, which right. is about uh, wrongful arrest and police brutality. <laughs> and it's um, you know, it says, "Oh, son, I want a word with you about law and order." And uh, <laughs> so it just got sent to us. I went, "Hey, I didn't realise he was an Outburst fan." <laughs> yeah, law and order. Excellent. Uh, yeah. So one of the things about this fallacy is that it's very easy for cognitive bias to creep in mm. because this kind of thing happens a lot on both sides and it is, it's one of those things where you really have to kind of watch yourself and analyse what you're doing and, and figure out if you are tra- trying to do a bit of special pleading and trying to mm. kind of uh, okay it when it's on your side. You can see where there would be an argument from the other side for the police brutality stuff Mm. that has been going on and saying, you know, these essentially isolated incidents shouldn't be used to demonise the police as a whole. And in fact, where we're doing this and we're protesting and we're saying, you know, there's an inherent systemic racism, what we're actually doing is is this fallacy Mm. and looking at isolated incidents and assuming that they they represent much more than they do. When you are approaching that, and saying, well, no, in this case, actually, I think it is a, a reasonable thing to to take seriously and the police have this position of power that they shouldn't abuse and there are many, many instances of this that go on and it seems to be in disproportionately towards black people and things yeah. like that. Yeah, I don't think we are doing special pleading when we do that i don't think we are letting our bias creep in and saying it's Mm. okay on our side but it's not okay on the other side yeah but you you need to keep that in mind when you're making those arguments Mm. because that's the kind of approach taken when people counter the black lives matter thing by saying all lives matter yeah there's some something in that which is about you don't get to special plead about black lives when and the counter that I came across a great counter of that is well when we say save the whales we're not saying <laughs> fuck fuck the rest of marine life we're actually just saying there yeah there all is animals a, matter yeah 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 there's a particular case where the you know whales are coming in for some particularly bad treatment and we need to be aware of that you know and not dissimilar to Black Lives Matter bringing to our attention this specific group that have suffered for a long time and that seems to be systemic so part of the consideration about the police's part in that isn't to tar everybody with the same brush um, in the police force but to consider whether there is some institutional construct that has led to this particular phenomena such that there are numbers of cases within the police force is it because there's a particular group of people that get recruited to the police force is it because of the pressures that they're under and the assumptions that they make and all those kind of things it's not just saying 
all police are bad. What yeah. it's, it's bringing into question is the whole notion of white privilege, the whole notion of power privilege, and the whole notion of individual cases, even that the police are um, at the scene of, they should be not applying um, blanket sets of assumptions, but dealing with that on a on a case-by-case basis. Yeah, and part of that balance of, of views and thoughts and, and arguments comes in the research that can be done on that. And yeah. the research that has been done shows that, yes, there is a disproportionate likelihood of violence being visited on people of colour. The statistics show that it is a problem. It's not something where where it just like it seems to be a problem if you only look at the hits and ignore the misses. It's yeah, we can actually look at it with a bit of dispassion. Yeah, and 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 to look at the system its itself rather than the individuals. And there was something I read about the 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 kind of innate militarization of the police force in the US in particular mm-hmm. because when where there are um you know ex military personnel who who served in in whatever campaign that's now ended um and they are repatriated back to the US and they get jobs in the security services and they've been trained and they are you know perfectly suited for those job because they know about those kind of things but they have been trained in the military to you know that it's a crude way of putting it but to shoot first and ask questions later and that works in a military combat environment that's exactly what you need to do and you're you're licensed to do that that's an expectation of you and you're trained to do that if you then get put into a, an urban policing environment there seems to be um, uh, in the research that I've read there's not enough training to undo that military training so they just re- revert to that to, yeah. the, to that training they shoot first ask questions later and because that's how they've been trained in their previous occupations so it, it's yeah. there is something systemic about re re uh, employing without retraining military personnel. Yeah. And some of the arguments, you know, in favour of the police on the police's side of things like the fact that they are often in situations where, you know, their life is in danger and mm. they have to make split-second decisions, mm. that that can be part of the conversation. But we have to be having the conversation yeah. for that to be yeah. part of the conversation. That can't be a defence to the the kinds of things that are you know that that we shouldn't bring up this stuff we shouldn't protest this stuff we shouldn't look at police reform because of the fact that policing is a hard job and that kind of stuff that that should be factored in when we look at how we should reform it to make it work for everyone and be better and actually protect and serve people and we and we shouldn't uh, not look at it by say because of the fact that not all police are like that yeah you know that's a to so to call the to call out the fallacy um and say well not everyone's like that yeah doesn't mean that i mean that's look at it very much like the kind of not all men thing mm. 
is is a really really shitty way to respond to someone who is who has a genuine problem with a particular man having done something yes <laughs> yes exactly yeah <laughs> no, yeah the, Yes, of course, it's true that not all men are like that, but that's not the point right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it and it doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of men who are like that, and and who something needs to be done about that or talked about at least. This does come up on both sides. It does come up as a thing that lots of different people can argue is happening, and mm. sometimes being outraged in an overextended way at arguably isolated incidents is maybe not necessarily a bad thing. It it should outrage you in some cases, and it's not always easy to see where that line is, necessarily. And now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics. Corner. Well, I've just got kind of one example this, this time, but it's got many parts, rather than having several examples of many parts, which seems <laughs> to have been the trend. So this is the kind of the British response to... Uh, the George Floyd um, incident in the US, there's been a, a, a reconsideration of the place of statues celebrating um, people who made their fortune and enacted great acts of philanthropy and thereby were uh, statues were erected to them because they were part of the slave business they made their fortunes through slavery and the one in particular was in uh, bristol which is in the west of the uk and there was a statue there of edward colston who was a 17th and 18th century slave trader it's amazing to looked up how he was 84 when he died in 1736 or something like that which is quite an extraordinarily long life to live in those times mainly because he made a lot of money and was able to you know live well um, yeah and he didn't have to do much himself did he because yes because he, he literally had people to do that for do him. that for him so. um so he was he's also a you know a philanthropist things are named after him in bristol roads and uh buildings and schools are all named after him which is where he put his money. And he was also a Tory member of Parliament. Um, and uh, Black Lives Matter protesters in Bristol pulled the statue down, rolled it along the street and threw it in the dock, which has a pleasing symmetry because, you know, many of the slaves who, were, who fell ill or, or died were thrown overboard um, on the way back from Africa. So the, the outrage, the overextended outrage... My example is from Priti Patel, who's our Home Secretary, and she expressed outrage at the toppling of this statue. Well, I think that is utterly disgraceful, and that speaks to the acts of disorder, public disorder, that actually have now become a distraction from the cause in which people are actually actually protesting about and trying to empathise and sympathise with. Well, apart from being a completely mangled bit of syntax... <laughs> Basically, what she's saying is it's a disgraceful act of public disorder and it's become a distraction from the Black Lives Matter cause. That but, people are trying to empathise yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, it, but, it's, but it's not. It isn't. Um, see, I think what it is, is her view and the view of the government. They're a government of law and order. There's that phrase again. Um, the Tories are always strong on law and order. So she's characterizing 
the protesters as um, public disorder merchants. So there are there is an, an act of public disorder, which is the tearing down of the statue, and she's making that so that we characterise the protesters as um, actors of public disorder. They're not protesters. They're a distraction from it. Well, they're not. She's making it a distraction um, so that we see all of them as bad guys. Then a couple of days later, there was a kind of counter-protest. It was ostensibly made by people who were marshalled by Tommy Robinson, which is the nom de guerre of the right-wing representative who's been banned from several things because of his right-wingness. Um, he he had a call to arms uh, of people to go protect the statuary around London of, you know, fallen war heroes, particularly Winston Churchill and... So a whole bunch of typically right-wing, bullet-headed, braces-wearing skinheads, they all turned up to protect the statues, only to find that the statues had already been protected by the mayor of London, who'd boarded them up uh, to prevent them being damaged by um, any protester. And then there was this strange phenomena of the right-wing statue protectors who were probably I would have thought on the side of the police insofar as they were also protecting the statue to make sure there was no criminal damage but they ended up fighting the police so they were <laughs> throwing bottles at them pulling them off their horses throwing things at the horses and so forth and Priti Patel was asked about this and she said... And quite frankly, the appalling levels of violence that we saw yesterday are unacceptable. I'm pretty certain that the British public would agree with me that what we saw was completely wrong. It is shameful. And quite frankly, that is why these protests should stop and they should not go ahead. And people must be mindful and stick with the rules that have been put in place. It's an appalling... It's a real... <laughs> the entire speech is kind of interview... It just makes you shout at the screen. But what she's done there is conflate these right-wing protests. She's made no distinction yeah. between the peaceful... The counter-protests yeah. are why the protests should stop. Yeah. So yeah. The, you know, the violent right-wing protesters who are just racists, you know, they're not counter-protesters. You can't have... If, if there's a, an anti-racist <laughs> protest, then the yeah. counter-protesters... Are ergo must be racists. Yeah, and the protesters are saying Black Lives Matter. The, yeah. the counter protesters are saying no, they don't. No, they don't. Yeah, yeah. Black Lives don't matter. So that, which is a, a somewhat racist stance, <laughs> and uh, um, at the very least, so she's making no distinction between the two, and therefore all demonstrations must now stop. The rules are now that six or more can't uh, people can't gather outside. That's illegal. So, you know, rather than just going, these guys are racists. They're right-wing thugs. Um, Boris Johnson was quite quite right to call it. You know, um, what did he call it? Something thuggery. Not even right-wing thuggery because he is a right-wing thug. But they did. They made no distinction and said those guys. That was awful. 
how peaceful these guys were. Because on the same day that the, the mounted police were getting bottles thrown at them, across the other side of Trafalgar Square, the Black Lives Matter people were just taking a knee in silence, quite peacefully. So this becomes the narrative that the protesters are all thugs and need to be treated accordingly. And there's an interview with the mayor of Bristol, in whose city the statue was taken down and rolled down the street, throwing the dock. And the Sky News interviewer starts with this question. Yeah, mob rule is what we heard from the policing minister. Um, prosecutions must happen, according to the Home Secretary. You agree? I, I, no, I don't think I don't think that's a very helpful way to describe it. And I think the, the, the Home Secretary is showing, uh, you know, a, a lack of understanding of, of where the country is right now. Um, and I would love to hear some outrage about the 25% of kids in my poverty the city who live in poverty, the, the growing inequality, the deaths in custody, both here in the United States, the, the Windrush scandal. Uh, you know, you can't be selective on your outrage, uh, you know. And, and actually, if, if over the last few years our politics had, had managed to capture the spirit of the country, had recognised that growing frustration, then maybe we wouldn't have ended up in this situation. So that's not to condone what's going on. But, but unless you seek to understand, you, you end up in a bad situation. I think you see, you see the ultimate example of that in the United States with a president who is not even trying to understand, who just wants to go to dominate. That's not the way that we want to do politics in Britain. You must understand your population. So there's a bit where um, Priti Patel says, I'm sure the British public would agree with me. So she's trying to, well, she doesn't understand the population. She's just saying the people that vote Tory, the people that um, I'm saying we are the party of law and order to are the people that you know i understand and it's not as polarized as that and i i love the way that so this is bristol's mayor marvin reese how he's he doesn't buy it at all he doesn't um he sees what she's doing is a distraction and in a kind of uh, ironically, in a kind of um, other lives matter kind of way, he's saying, you know, you can't just be outraged at this bit. What about the outrage at the po uh, the poverty? What about outrage at the Windrush scandal where they tried to repatriate um, people who came over during the Windrush influx in the 50s and the, the children of those people were trying to be repatriated by the Home Office by Priti Patel herself, who oversaw that, to send them back to Jamaica, where they came from, or the West Indies, where they came from. Why isn't she outraged about that? The irony, of course, being that both Priti Patel and Marvin Rees are from BAME backgrounds, which, unfortunately, Patel uses to admonish people about lecturing her on what suffering racism is. So she takes the moral high ground, both in terms of this is outrageous public disorder thuggery and also you can't tell me about racism because I've suffered at the hands of that and, and you, you kind of go well okay yeah that's true but that doesn't mean we can't ask questions about the stuff you can't dictate what we've got to be outraged at and what's really nice is that the Avon and Somerset police superintendent so the head of the police service doesn't buy it either. Uh, this is his response to the, the statue going down. 
We know that it has been a historical figure that has caused the black community quite a lot of angst over the last couple of years. So whilst I am disappointed that people would, would damage one of our statues, I do understand why it's happened. It's very symbolic. You might wonder why we didn't intervene and why we just allowed people to put it in the docks. We made a very tactical decision that to stop people from doing that act may have caused further disorder and we decided the safest piece to do in terms of our policing tactics was to allow it to take place. So I understand why people might think that we should have intervened and challenged, but this was a very difficult policing operation. There's a lot of context that sits around it and I believe we did the right thing. No regrets? No regrets. So I, I love that response because it's yeah. completely the opposite from, you know, arrest must be made. This is public disorder. He's saying it's really nuanced and there's a lot of context. So in order to understand the the uh, the the population, to understand our um, we're policing by consent. And it seems that the consent the consensual position was that this is a bad thing and who were we to stop it happening? Which is just not going from individual acts to um, everybody's bad. In fact, he says, OK, there was a small group of people who clearly committed an act of criminal damage and will carry out an investigation. But he also goes on to say, I'd like to thank the organisers of the demonstration <laughs> for their yeah. efforts to encourage the demonstrators to follow the guidance so that between them he and the mayor have completely dismantled all of the posturing position polarizing position that pretty patel has, has made and they just dismantle it by doing it's a bit like that you know false dilemma you know either they're baddies or you disagree with me they're going well. No, it's neither of those. It's you can't pick and choose which bit yeah. you're, it's going to be. I think you'll find it's a lot more complicated. It's a lot that. more complicated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he even goes on to say, thankfully, there were no instances instances of disorder and no yeah. arrests were made, which is just it's you know it, it's delightful. The mayor is a Labour mayor in Bristol. He's a very open and understanding and. He talks about the, the pulling down of the statue as being part of the history of the city, just as putting up the statue was. You know, there's a, the, the suffragette movement began mm -hmm. in Bristol and it allowed people like Priti Patel to be members of parliament. Yeah, it's bizarre when people argue for the kind of in favour of the history of this stuff. Mm where they don't recognise the enormous part that protests have played in history. Yes, exactly. And, <laughs> and that the, the historically statues are erected by people to make up for the guilt they feel <laughs> or to accentuate the good things they've done, you know, the, all the philanthropic things that Colston did. That's why. And he paid to get the statue put up. Or, you know, in terms of financing lots of the, uh, the, the city of Bristol's expenses. You know, the, mm -hmm. they were able to do that because he made it happen on the back of his slave trading. You know, in, in contrast, when I, I went to university in Hull, where there's a statue to Wilberforce who brought about the end of the slave trade. 
he was the guy that in you know that put in the the end of slavery act mm-hmm. and there's a statue to him and you think that's the kind of statue you want why is it why were there no protests when that went up I am the there we are, but a killing joke there with I'm the virus, which is a, a delightful find for that <laughs> song because it's, it's about, you know, all of this innate, fermenting outrage that's being created by the inequality of brought about by big business and central banking and all of those kinds of things. It could almost be a QAnon um, <laughs> anthem. And then they equate all of that with a virus. It's just perfect. <laughs> perfect. Why yeah. have we not discovered it before? <laughs> so in the Fallacy in the Wild, we like to talk about the Fallacy of the Week from a non-political perspective. And uh, our first example this week comes from the first X-Men film. Now here's a, a girl in Illinois who can walk through walls. Now what's to stop her from walking into a bank vault or into the White House or into their houses? Senator and there are even rumors, Miss Gray, of mutants so powerful that they can enter our minds and control our thoughts, taking away our God-given free will. I think the American people deserve the right to decide whether they want their children to be in school with mutants, to be taught by mutants. Ladies and gentlemen, the truth is that mutants are very real, and they are among us. We must know who they are, and above all, we must know what they can do. So, yeah. Yeah, far be it (laughs) for mutants to get into your mind and control the way that you think (laughs) that's the realm of politicians. (laughs) So yeah, this politician is is using fear tactics and um, kind of outrage, essentially fermenting outrage, to to try and uh, get support for his mutant registration act. And this is obviously used as a as a kind of analogy, and it's very it's it's they beat you over the head with it. It's an analogy <laughs> exactly, for yeah. for the Jews and the Nazis. And all of that stuff, yeah. registering Jews, and and Magneto was a was in a concentration camp when he was younger, and 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 all of that stuff yeah. is 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 a parallel. It's it's a it's a it's a weird parallel because mutants have powers that can destroy people, and like half of them are, in these films are good, and half of them are bad. Yeah. So that's that isn't true of Jews, as far as I know. Yeah, and. Yeah. And arguably, there are <laughs> there are you know you can there's there's merits to his argument is what I'm saying. It's right. not entirely yeah. Yeah. unfair to think that yes, there are some some mutants who are both criminal and incredibly powerful, yeah. and at least you know be useful to know what they can do. <laughs> yeah, but um, it, but it is but it's a it's a. Uh, a fallacious, ha! Uh-huh. It's a fallacious step to go right. Well, all mutants are bad. Yeah, 
and absolutely and that's the point evil. is is yes when you're using it to to crack down on all mutants essentially well, it's a bit like the um it's a bit like what happens to the incredibles as well they all you know the the beginning plot is that there's somebody said well you know what if they just came into our houses and smashed things up you know <laughs> yeah you well, go, well with the incredibles it was a the interesting thing about the incredibles is that it, they kind of subvert this idea because the supers in the Incredibles are registered, and mm. and that's part of they are like they're essentially government employees. Yeah. Um. And like before the film starts, they are there is a register of of supers, but the government ends up having to spend so much money in lawsuits and like restoring things that they break yeah. while they're saving the world <laughs> that that yeah. they force the supers to go underground and and assume their their secret identities so yeah it's similar in that way and that although there's obvious benefit to having them <laughs> yeah they're they are forced to 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 pretend they're normal people because of some damage that is done and some lawsuits which is also just maybe think of batman and superman again yeah absolutely yeah dawn of justice yeah, yeah. sorry and superman is reminded is, you of it <laughs> yeah God, yeah, is um, yeah, yeah. He's Superman kind of is, is, is vilified yeah. Yeah. because of the damage to Metropolis when he was saving the world. Yeah. Um, also, the um, Avengers, in yeah. you know the the, the Sokova records, yeah, are because of the the danger of having vigilante people with powers just kind of roaming around doing their own thing. So, yeah, this is a common trope in in superhero films and in films about people with powers is that at some point the government will try and crack down on those powers because some of some people on in isolated incidents will use them for bad or yeah. cause bad things to happen yeah so if only they'd apply it to the white house <laughs> yeah well it's, a, it's also a distraction technique isn't it you know you can't be selective about your outrage it's going, yeah, people sticking their hands up and going yeah, okay, so we're cracking down on these mutants. What about all the kids in poverty and the... Uh, yeah, uh, and, all that? and and that's yeah. the other thing about this this fallacy is that it's often used, almost all the ex- examples that I've found, the isolated incident that people get extendedly outraged about is genuinely a bad thing. It's genuinely mm. something that, that, you know, is undesirable and people want to avoid happening. Yeah. The question becomes how how isolated is it and and that's where mm. it, where there is an assumption that it is not just an isolated incident but representative of a whole group is where it becomes a problem and that's true also of our next example which comes from the first episode of star trek picard a group of rogue synthetics dropped the planetary defense shields and hacked mars's own defense net yes wiping out the rescue armada and completely destroying the utopia planitia shipyard the explosions ignited the flammable vapors in the stratosphere. Mars remains on fire to this day. 92,143 lives were lost, which led to a ban on synthetics. Yes. So, yeah, destroying all of Mars was bad. Yeah, a bad thing. But, <laughs> um, um, it's not... reasonable to do something about that. Yeah, but... or, or to look into <laughs> why that might have happened then. Yeah. yeah. But banning all synthetic life throughout the Federation, <laughs> bit, maybe an overreaction. <laughs> yeah, I just go, oh, right, because it, it, the one factor is they were synthetic. Yeah. So, ergo, we've got to be a bit 
careful about all other synthetics. It's a bit like the robots in AI that, you know, we've got to watch them. It is a distraction, as it turns out. And if you haven't, you know, uh-huh. spoiler alert. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> it's not the synthetics' fault. You know, yeah. as, as with all these things, somebody reprogrammed them. <laughs> and uh, and then there's somebody who's saying that yeah we all we banned we should ban all these people turns out to be the same person um, yeah yeah and even then actually there's kind of it's like a double layer on this because the 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 people who caused the synths to do what they did yep. were a splinter group of mm. another mm. larger group and yep. the other larger group was demonized for yep. that as well yep. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, finally in this section, uh, we have an interview with Peter Benchley, the author of Jaws. The shark was like a maniac to me. It was an unstoppable, uncontrollable force. And that, when I was a child, was always the most scary thing, was the maniac, the, the guy with the axe who you couldn't stop. Peter Benchley has spent years now trying to establish a, a counterpoint to the myth that that sharks are really out to get us. Made a good story, but that's all it was, was a good story. If there's one thing I know for dead certain, it's that I couldn't possibly write Jaws today. I could not turn this beautiful beast into a villain. Yeah, so mm. shark attacks are actually quite rare, and yeah. they d- tend not to be man-eaters and and according to some marine biologists the the kind of what actually gets a lot of people is the sharks kind of tasting them to see if they're turtles and things like that rather than actually kind of frenzy yeah. tr- trying to eat them trying to eat them and, yeah. and then they just go oh no that's not a turtle and then yeah. That, yeah but unfortunately humans are soft and that causes problems quite so, crunchy yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, um, just like a nibble, you know, just a taste. Yeah. They're, they're not very good at licking things, are they? Yeah. Sharks, generally, they yeah. kind of they tend to, you know, have to get a, a good chunk of something. And unfortunately, with the uh, the size of a shark's mouth versus a human, that, <laughs> yeah, it could lead to the jumping to the wrong conclusion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So all sharks essentially being being tarred with the brush of these you know dangerous man eaters who are out to get you and in fact in i think it was was it jaws 4 where they the like the same shark came after michael kane like oh God, as a yeah, yeah. as a it was yeah. a personal definitely yeah. a personal this attack time personal. he knew it was him and he like yeah. followed him to barbados exactly. or something to to kill him i think yeah. it was yeah. it was it was retribution for the attack of the killer bees movie <laughs> That was it, you know. Yeah. yeah. He was going, that's why he was get, going after him. That bloody Michael Caine makes some stinkers of movies. I'm going to just go eat him. I could do that. I could just, yeah. I, I hear he's in the water. I'm going to go get him. Yeah. So all sharks shouldn't be demonized for 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 those films existing, essentially. In- yeah. Interesting <laughs> that he says, I wouldn't be able to make it now. Because, well, he wouldn't write it. He wouldn't. Yeah. He'd yeah. Be able to write that now like, in, you know, yeah. in a kind of. It's not like Attenborough didn't exist when he did write it. But it's that kind of, it's a, a little bit disingenuous. He wouldn't be able to write it now because people have reacted against the fact that killer whales, uh, that great white sharks were being killed 
as a result of him having written Jaws. Yeah. Therefore, he wouldn't be able to write Jaws now. Yeah. yeah well, also, he's he's learned a lot more about them. I mean, he's dead yeah. now, but when yeah. this was made, he yeah he um he learned a lot more about. It. He became a conservationist basically. He after he having done the same thing worked. about bears. <laughs> yeah. With, you know, yes. With, with Shardick, but, which is uh-huh. it's basically shark with dip <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> you know, that's what he learned. What he learned was, oh yeah, one killer. Don't do sharks. Do in bears. In the water, yeah. and then I could do another killer one in the yeah. Poor old bloody bear population going. No, no, don't. No, not us. Not us. No, we're fine. We've had enough bad press with that Goldilocks woman. <laughs> And she broke into our house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was particularly unfair. She was definitely in the wrong there. Yeah. Yeah. White privilege. So we're going we're gonna to play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. See, what you've done in denying me the wins over the series so far is show how all referees are biased and they're only in it for their own personal gain at the expense of the participants. Yeah, Power to the fair. players. Yeah. Power to the players. Can't argue with that. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're currently yep. on 23 out of 51 because you've had a, quite an unprecedented run. I think yeah. it's like the last, I haven't actually looked up, but I reckon it's about five episodes you've Good won God. in a row now. Wow, so. and I'm practically, I'm, I'm almost within grasping distance of 50%. Yeah. Nearly yeah. halfway there. So Wow. This week, we it's, it's not really a theme so much as just things he said recently that were crazy, so... Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the theme, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Things mean, he basically. said that are crazy. Well, it's not. There not are no recent. things that he doesn't say. That this is all crazy. things he said this week. So, <laughs> okay. yeah, that's it. This first one yeah. is from a, a roundtable discussion on reopening the economy. He yeah. said, "Sometimes you'll see a building. It costs less money than another building that costs more because the one that built the one that costs more, the, this one looks better. The one that's cheaper, it looks better." They say, how much more did you spend for that building? Actually, we spent less. You can do that. It's called, you have to know what you're doing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Statement number two. Mm-hmm. Well, there's just a hunger for the rallies, and I enjoy doing them, but they enjoy them more importantly than me. They enjoy them. It gives energy to everybody, and we have tremendous enthusiasm. If you look at the polls, we're way ahead of Sleepy Joe in terms of enthusiasm. We have enthusiasm like they've never seen before, actually, and Joe has the lowest, I hear, enthusiasm on record. Okay. Okay. And okay. Is there a record? Do people keep records of enthusiasm? <laughs> Right. Statement number three. This is about Minneapolis. He said, Mayor Frey wasn't in control, so I demanded we bring in the National Guard. And if you saw, they stopped having problems very quickly. The National Guard arrived at a certain time, and within a very short number of hours, they dominated. And I don't get the credit for that. I saw that they couldn't do it, and I did it. But it doesn't matter what you do. You can do a great job, and that's not what they talk about. Okay. Well, that's a kind of, that's a typical pity me it's well, yeah. It's that it's the opposite of a humble brag, is that? Yeah. <laughs> and you kind of go, well, you know, you can do what you like. You could, you, yeah, you can do 
you can lie about the great job you've done and nobody you don't get any credit about for that. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know what's wrong with this place. Okay. Mayor Frey wasn't in control, so I demanded we bring in Ashcorp. Okay. Uh, Sleepy Joe. Tremendous mm. enthusiasm. We look at the polls. We're way ahead of sleep. Well, in terms of enthusiasm, because that's what they poll, isn't it? They go, <laughs> okay, who are you going to vote for? What about the enthusiasm? <laughs> you know, which one's more enthusiastic in your, you know, is it Sleepy Joe or is it really active Don? Uh, okay, we have enthusiasm like they've never seen. Joe's Lewis, I hope. Be a building. So I want him to. I want him to say the building one. Because, yeah. Well, he. So the second one is the justification for the rally. Does he talk about rallies as rallies? That mm, ah. Mm, okay. Okay. On that basis, I think number two is the one that you made up. Okay, so mm -hmm. of the other two, which are you more convinced that he said? That he said, I think number one, he he said. Okay, uh, number one yeah. is yeah. real. Oh, no. Sometimes you'll see a building, it costs less money than another building that costs more because the one that built the one that costs more, this one looks better. The one that's cheaper... It looks better. They say, how much more did you spend for that building? Actually, we spent less. You can do that. It's called, you have to know what you're doing. <laughs> Whoa. What uh -huh. the hell? It's called, you have to know what you're saying. <laughs> wow. So what's, he, what's the point he's trying to make? He's okay. trying to make sometimes... So the context for this, yeah. in as much as there is any, <laughs> was, was he was talking about the... You know the the VA Choice Act, which he didn't pass but takes credit for yeah, yeah. on a daily basis? Yeah. It's that. He was saying that they've got veterans' choice, that right. they can go go to a different doctor if they want. Because, you know, if they try and go to the VA, then it'll take them weeks and people join yeah. the queue and they have nothing wrong with them. And then I don't know why they join the queue. And then uh, when they get to the end of the queue, they're terminally ill. But instead, because of him, thanks yeah. to him not Obama, who passed the act in 2014, yeah. they they can go to any doctor and the government will pay for it. And somehow this is cheaper, but it's also better. Just like sometimes buildings are cheaper, yeah. but also better. That that, <laughs> that allegory that we always uh -huh. go for, that analogy that we leap to straight away. Yeah. Just like yeah. exactly like cheaper buildings that are also better than more expensive buildings. Yeah, you know, that, like it's that well-known phrase or saying. Yeah. You know, sometimes you get cheaper buildings that are better than expensive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like that. Uh-huh. What? <laughs> yeah. He hasn't quite got metaphors. No. <laughs> no. No. It's particularly because I'm making up both bits. It was, it was enough to say, yeah, the, the, the thing that I passed, that I didn't pass, Obama did, means that, you can go it's, anywhere. It's better which is, and it costs less. Yeah, that's all you yeah. need to say. <laughs> yeah, and then take credit for that, even though it's nothing to do with you. Uh -huh. But no, he compounds it by, <laughs> by making it far clearer by talking about 
what <laughs> the hell? There is, you know, if he had any nous, if he had any knowledge of the history of architecture, he would know that the <laughs> buildings in Port Merion, the guy that designed those, did that specifically to show that you could build good-looking houses for the price of bad-looking houses. <laughs> that's why he built it. If only see, that's what he was going for. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Patrick McGowan series, The Prisoner, which was set there, was built on that basis. Yeah. So, uh, you oh, also so think number three oh, is yeah. real? Yeah. And number three yeah. is fake news. Oh, wow. Nice work. That's very good. Yeah. Yeah, you see, so, it's got a certain <laughs> gravity. I hesitate to use the word gravitas, <laughs> but it's not got his normal rambling shite uh-huh. though he is which I, I was taken in by yeah. yeah yeah there you go and he's got, got all of the right words in there uh-huh. dominated in the right order as in well by, so. <laughs> in the right order <laughs> very nice so very nice yeah so which means that number no, two no he does actually talk about oh my god is is Who's this that? is from his interview that he did with Sean Hannity no. um, recently uh, on the phone and uh, yeah he said number two well, there's just a hunger for the rallies, and I enjoy doing them, but they enjoy them more importantly than me. They enjoy them. It gives energy to everybody, and we have tremendous enthusiasm. If you look at the polls, we're way ahead of Sleepy Joe in terms of enthusiasm. We have enthusiasm like they've never seen before, actually, and Joe has the lowest, I hear, enthusiasm on record. Yeah, there are no records of enthusiasm. No. No, and who did they you don't hear that poll from? for enthusiasm? No, and certainly he's not way ahead in any of the any polls, of the polls at, all. at all. No, in terms of anything, no. this is like this is like the the they have the you know capacity for vaccines in terms of transport. Terms of transportation. <laughs> yeah. I was going. We're way ahead of the polls in terms uh-huh. of number of people called Trump. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know we're we're way ahead. We have got lots of them on in our campaign. Joe Biden's got no Trumps. In his campaign, so we're way ahead in terms of that. They've more Trumps than they've ever seen before, and he's got yeah. the lowest number of Trumps on record. <laughs> That's just what that, it's just horrible, isn't it? And, it's, got, and it's, it's full of the oh, this is why I thought you made it up because it's full of all of all of his tropes. You know, we we have tremendous, uh-huh. uh, we're way ahead of. <laughs> and we've like they've never seen before. Like they've never seen before. And yeah. I hear, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, they're all in there. They're all. It's all. My, I was fooled by the man himself. Oh my <laughs> god! I thought they he went on his... to say how excited they are uh, in Tulsa. The the right. officials, the the kind of government yeah. that they're going to be holding his next rally there. Uh, which yeah. isn't true at yeah. all. The officials have kind of almost begged him not to go there because they are in the go. middle of a of an outbreak yeah. of a kind of spike in coronavirus and so let's um, gather everybody they think together. that packing 20,000 people with almost not, certainly not significant comorbidities yeah. um in a room yes. together with yeah. who who are kind of brainwashed into thinking masks are for weak people yeah um we'll is probably all be not shouting a good idea. into the backs of the heads of the uh-huh. people in front of them and yeah. covering them in spit yeah when you when you chant lock her up it does tend to spread the virus around a bit yeah. so yeah and and he's going to make sure there are lots of plosive consonants uh-huh. in the things, you know. Yeah. Uh, vote Trump. It, it, see, as soon as you do a ch, that's uh-huh. it. You know? <laughs> and he's going to say China 
as, as well a lot. That the front row will be soaked. So, <laughs> Jesus, yeah. Uh, so unfortunately, oh, that means your, you won. Your run oh, has come to an man. end. Man, come crashing down. You see, as I say, yeah, it's <laughs> unfair. All referees are the same. Yeah, it's time for the part of the show that this week at least is called the Supreme Court. It's not a logical fallacy because... Yeah, it's not even a Republican, no. reliable, um, <laughs> safe pair of hands anymore. There's There's been a little bit of good news in the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in the morass of shit that's happening at the moment. Yeah. Um, actually, a couple of pieces of good news, although possibly not quite as good as they initially sound. But yeah, in in one week... The Supreme Court has ruled both that you can't fire people for being gay or trans. Um, it's just not okay. Yeah. Which which is a surprise, which is scary. Mm. And also that Trump can't just deport 700,000 dreamers who came to the US uh, because their parents brought them. Yeah. So that's good. That must make you mad. Oh, it really did. It yeah. really did. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the first thing he tweeted was, do you get the feeling that the Supreme Court doesn't like me? To which then on Twitter, nobody likes you, trended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, which was pretty funny. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then he basically spent most of the day kind of tweeting negative things about the Supreme Court and saying that it was a it was a shotgun blast to the face of Republicans. Wow. Even <laughs> and, though he um, put most of them on there. Yeah, yeah, he? he put two he's put yeah. two Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh both yeah. on the conservative side. Interestingly Gorsuch sided with both the liberal wing of the court and mm. Chief Justice John Roberts on the LGBTQ mm-hmm. um decision. That was a six three decision. Yeah. Which was which was good. Gorsuch basically agreed that yeah, when you look at who people love, you are you're making a decision based on what sex they are if yeah. you discriminate against gay people. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. Well, that's yeah. amazing, <laughs> isn't it? So perhaps uh-huh. I'll kind of I mean it seems obvious. <laughs> yeah. I can't help thinking uh, that he's kind of learned stuff by being hanging around with other ju- justices you know yeah. Gorsuch is actually yeah. kind of going oh actually yeah. I need to start thinking about this in terms of human rights rather than what Republicans <laughs> think I mean generally or what, I don't what know I don't, I don't think we should probably give him that much credit because oh, okay. I mean he has been fairly reliable uh, Trump Trump voter so far yeah. in terms of most of the, the things that they've, they've got I mean the 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 court since Gorsuch and Kavanaugh joined have have done a lot of pro-Trump type things, mm. but there's just some things that they can't quite square with the yeah. actual law. Yeah, and mm. and this seems to be one of them, which is great. Wow. Um, so there's a lot more to that decision, and uh, the opening arguments podcast is going to be going over the LGBTQ decision in detail this mm-hmm. week. So tune well, yeah, in for tune that because there's That'd a lot of useful information on there the DACA decision which has only just come out um, yesterday or the day before Mm -hmm. was possibly more of a surprise I don't know but that was a 5-4 decision so Gorsuch voted in Trump's favour on that it was Mm. only Justice John Roberts that that voted alongside the Liberal wing 
of the court on that. But and and it's a really, really, really narrow uh, decision. Mm. Essentially, rather than saying you can't deport all the seven hundred thousand undocumented young people, mm-hmm. uh, what they were saying is, no, you can't do it the way you're trying to do it. Uh, That's right, not okay. the right way to deport all those people. Right. <laughs> um, right. Which, which is not as good. Um, it's it's really good in that it helps them now. It helps them right now to to feel that they have some, I guess, comfort that they can stay yep. at the moment. Yep. But it but it's it's very much a signal that if they get it done the right way, yeah, that yeah. that they're going to pass it, and um, that'll take some time. They they can't just immediately kind of rewrite it, and because there's got to be essentially they tried to do that. They tried to argue that the reasons they wanted to deport them all weren't the reasons they originally said right. and and the court went well no because we've we saw you do that we saw <laughs> yeah <laughs> we we yeah. we heard you it's when you said it first time court record yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, some, uh, somebody um, <laughs> wrote it down yeah. absolutely we've yeah. we've seen you just change your mind on that thing yeah so they need to basically kind of lay some groundwork before they can properly come back with a, a different argument, a different legal argument. Right. So that's not going to happen before November. So uh-huh. if you want the Dreamers to have a chance of staying in the US, don't vote for Trump. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, because the, the Supreme Court are only going to be carrying out what the government wants, or they'll be looking at the issues that the yeah. government wants to bring in and if the government is not of a mind to deport the dreamers, then they won't have to work yeah, out so how to do that. Essentially, the legal the legal challenge was against the attempt that uh, Trump made to rescind the the Obama's orders for to to allow DACA, and uh, the argument was that DACA was unconstitutional. There were multiple sides to it of of whether the um, the reasons for bringing it in were okay and and the benefits essentially that DACA recipients although it's weird to call them recipients since they uh, you know they're just allowed not to be deported (laughs) that's all they get they don't get anything else from it yeah yeah. um that that uh yeah whether the benefits that they get from it are are constitutional or not and Mm. the the arguments apparently that Trump administration made were not convincing in this case but it was very very much a decision where they were saying you know that the way you tried to do it was illegal not right the, the what you were what trying you're to doing do. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah okay so, so it still lays it open to if they can get their act together before November before the inevitable well they won't they, I mean election. there's just not time there's not time to get it the done beat. yeah before yeah. then but they, I mean it's it what it is saying is that if he gets back in, the court will let it happen because yep. they'll probably they'll come up with. But some essentially, other way. what it what this is is the Trump administration are just really bad at being racists. It's not that they're <laughs> not allowed to do it; it's they're shit at it. Yeah, it's just, um, and if they were really better over, at it, they were better at it. Then they <laughs> yeah, if they were a, better at it, they would get away with yeah, it. Yeah, the court isn't going to stop them doing it; they just have to do it properly. That's yeah. all. To do, so, it in, yeah. do it in a way that they can cover it with sufficient amounts of wallpaper to cover the cracks yeah. and go. Yeah. Oh, okay, they get literally they're going to whitewash it. Yeah, it's that. Uh-huh. 
it's that kind yeah. of, and say that that's okay under the terms and, of the Constitution. And four yeah. more years will be enough time for them to get it right, yeah. even even as incompetent as they are. Yeah, that will be sufficient for them. And um, yeah, so so if you give them another chance, they'll they'll go for it. Um, if you don't give them another chance, they won't get the chance. Yeah. And Biden has said that if he gets in, he will make DACA permanent and make sure that they do it in a way that allows people to stay which is yep. great so yeah and the thing is this is a really really popular program it's mm. like even re- among republicans it's like 79 percent of people are, are in favor of of allowing daca recipients to stay allowing the dreamers to to stay in the u.s yeah it's not like it's a kind of it's not a partisan thing mm. it's weird that they're so hell-bent on trying to to get rid of these people yeah because it's actually unpopular even among their base, yeah, which is odd. Well, it reminds me of the of the the mood of the nation when the the Home Office in the UK tried to deport the the children of the Windrush generation. Absolutely, you know, yeah, absolutely. Send them back to places that they've never lived. You know, they uh-huh. are the native British people. You know, they they just happen. Their parents just happened to have come over at the invitation of the British government in the fifties to come and live and work and pay their taxes and bring up their families and contribute to society for sixty years. And their children, who were you know, were suddenly saying, "Well, where's the proof that you were born here?" I said, "Well, my birth certificate." You know, where's yeah. the proof that your parents are here? Well. It, it was in the records that have mysteriously got burned or disappeared or, you know, through no fault of their own. It just, just, yeah. So that, and that was a, a monumentally unpopular. And, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thing, but on both the right and the left, and and yet they kind of pursued it to what it, well, to the end of um, capturing the extreme right-wing vote from the Brexit party and Farage's UKIP party prior to that. The, you know, people saw through it. So to kind of pursue it relentlessly, so the, for them to do that with the, with the DACA dreamers just seems spiteful. You know, yeah. To, to yeah, I mean, the cruelty is the point. Yeah. But that's, yeah, that's all it is, really. So, yeah, yeah I mean, and... Um, Trump tweeted the recent Supreme Court decisions, not only on DACA, sanctuary cities, census and others, tell you only one thing. We need new justices of the Supreme Court. <laughs> if the radical left Democrats assume power, your Second Amendment, right to life, secure borders and religious liberty, among many other things, are over and gone. He's, wow. I mean, that's a slippery slope argument yeah, <laughs> for the ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah. If it, and the thing is, if the radical left Democrats assume power, if Joe Biden gets in, the, the most that's likely to happen is that RBG will finally be, <laughs> be able to retire yeah. and be replaced by a similarly left-wing justice. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much that's it. it. There's no one else. Maybe Breyer might retire as well he's getting on but right. most of the conservatives ones are, are pretty young mm. certainly gorsuch is like 54 yeah um which is young for a supreme court justice and and kavanaugh's not that much older than that so they're not going to re- be able to replace any any of the right wing yeah. um justices yeah. alito and thomas probably aren't gonna retire um but yeah 
I, I don't know. Wow. I don't I think mean, that, I don't yeah. think they're gonna they're gonna be able to get more left wing justices on the court if if Biden gets in. Unfortunately, no. I mean, how did where did he kind of that's a, a real well, it is a it's a uh, overextended outrage, isn't it? Because yeah. it's, <laughs> it's going well. Look, this is what this is what happened. If you'll do this, this is what will happen. Do you want yeah. that to happen? No, <laughs> it's that. And and how do you get people outraged? Well, you say your Second Amendment and right to life mm. and secure border and religious liberty all gone, all shot <laughs> to pieces. Well, that yeah. might be that won't be true anyway. But it no. might be true if the entire Supreme Court was made up of radical left wingers, but it's not. If it is I mean, made it up of radical no. left wingers, <laughs> they would maintain religious liberty. They would maintain yeah. the right to life. They would maintain Second Amendment, and they would. You know, why would that mean insecure borders all of a sudden any yeah. more than they are now? The, I mean, the Second Amendment's an interesting one because also this week there were ten Second Amendment cases that that were petitioning to be heard by the Supreme Court. And a lot of people thought that this, that this would be an opportunity with the most conservative Supreme Court we've had for a long time mm. for those to kind of be ratified or be be at least heard. But the court declined to hear all 10 of them, which is wow. quite surprising because you only need to the, the process to get certiorari where you where the Supreme Court agrees to hear the case mm. uh, only needs four justices to decide that they would like to debate it basically so the 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 four so not even four of them yeah so even the the right the the whole of the right wing of the court basically didn't agree that those 10 cases were worth listening to they passed them back down to the the appeals courts and some of those cases would arguably restrict some of the most you know trying to make guns as available as possible type things so i guess they felt they didn't have the votes or they didn't have you know they couldn't convince maybe roberts to side with them on those things mm-hmm. but this was their best chance you know it's, if it's it's not going to get more right wing unless trump gets yeah. back in in which case yeah that would be their chance yeah but, time to leave the planet then yeah you know or we that's when we need to cozy up to elon musk and mm. hitch a ride to mars i was reading something where scientists said you only they only need 110 people to establish civilization on Mars. <laughs> you think, well, that's quite good. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. yeah that's it's looking good. more and more attractive. Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long as there aren't any synths. Yeah. Yeah. No. That, yeah. Ooh, no, we don't want that. All mutants. Yeah. Mind you, Mars is full of mutants. Depending <laughs> on what film you watch. Yeah. True. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. Well, the protests are working. Not in the sense of actual police reform or any serious plan to address systemic racism, but NASCAR have banned Confederate flags. So, yay? Yay. The Marines have also got in on the act, since apparently they were previously okay with displaying the flag of an enemy of the United States. And the Army said that they were open to renaming the 10 military bases that were named after Confederate soldiers. That's when Trump stepped in, tweeting that his administration will not even consider renaming the bases because these monumental and very powerful bases have become part of a great American heritage and a history of winning, victory and freedom. First of all, he weirdly capitalised almost half the words in that sentence, like some kind of racist A.A. Milne. And more importantly, no... The people that those bases are named after had a history of losing, loss, and fighting for the exact opposite of freedom. 
Fox News continues to attempt to portray itself as a serious news outlet and continues in abject failure. This week determined to be the ones that showed that there were ructions within Seattle's Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, or CHAZ, quoted out loud chunks from an apparently serious Reddit post, unaware that it itself was a verbatim quote from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Fox News' The Story host Martha McCallum read out the post entitled I Didn't Vote for Raz. Rapper Raz Simone is the alleged unofficial leader of Chaz. Of course, those of us brought up on Python who have, who have every word of every sketch innately within us, a bit like Beatles lyrics, could see where anything with autonomous in the <laughs> name was going to go. And sure enough, the Reddit post and Martha went there. In the spirit of Dennis the Peasant objecting to the assumptions of the ruling classes, I thought we had an autonomous collective, an anarcho-syndicalist commune at the least. We should take it in turns to act as a sort of executive officer for the week. That was enough for Martha to prove the point that things were not well within Chaz, but the rest of the Reddit post goes on to mention the sword Excalibur itself. Raz can't expect to wield supreme executive power just because someone threw a sword at him. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, Fox didn't get the joke, but Twitter did. Hey-ho, well, as Fox News would doubtless say, not. Now that both their arms are off, it's only a flesh wound, and carry on fighting impotently whilst looking ridiculous. <laughs> I absolutely love that story. It's so good. It's great, isn't it? And it's just so bloody. It is just a big chunk of paper. And you go, oh, yeah, that was the first thing I thought of was when <laughs> Autonomous was there. there absolutely. It it's I thought we were yeah. an autonomous collective. <laughs> You're fooling yeah. yourself. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we know it. I'll find it all of us. Yeah. Uh, my 2020 bingo card is getting pretty full up. And I wasn't expecting the Senator Matt Gates reveals a secret adult Cuban son square to get checked off. But hey, this year is full of surprises. Punchable bobblehead Gates was in a meeting on police reform when a black congressman from Louisiana, Cedric Richmond, pointed out that all the people arguing against reform hadn't had the experience of worrying about their black children being targeted by police, since none of them were black. Matt got very upset at this, and after the meeting tweeted a picture of a man named Nesta Galban and claimed that although they shared no blood, Nesta was his son, who had come from Cuba six years ago and turned 19 a few days ago. The internet went into detective mode and discovered images from 2016 and 2014 when Nesta was referred to as a house page and by Gates as local student Nesta Galvan. In Florida, house pages have to be at least 15, so if he was a page in 2014, he's not 19 now. Mm -hmm. Some less charitable Twitter folk have questioned the nature of Gates's relationship, and right-wing voices are acting like there's nothing weird at all about a single 32-year-old Republican living with but not adopting a 12-year-old Cuban kid and then lying about who he is and possibly how old he is. I'm definitely not saying there's anything inappropriate going on, but let's not pretend it all makes sense. <laughs> He's clearly his ward. <laughs> That's what he is. He's his ward. And he just needs to call him Dick Grayson. Uh -huh. And there he is. That's, yeah, let's not pretend it all makes sense. Well, we've all done it, haven't we? It's late. We've had too much to drink. We suddenly remember that thing we didn't buy for someone, like, say, a thousand million test tubes to be able to implement effective track and trace processes for coronavirus. So we hop onto eBay or even better, Alibaba. No, wait, Filikit LLC. Perfect. Yes, please. $7.3 million worth of vials. Perfect. 
Except, of course, when they arrive, it's not like the blurry JPEG picture online at all. What they are are little polythene bottles that then get heat and pressure expanded into those two-litre soda bottles. And it turns out that, A, they don't fit the test tube racks, duh, and, B, they're not sterile. Actually, C, they're contaminated, having been, as reported by ex-employees of Filikit, scooped up in snow shovels, thrown into plastic bins and squirted with saline. Lab conditions, right? Nope. All outside makeshift warehouses in Houston, people breathing in and out and everything. FEMA, who contracted Filikit, will pay them $10.6 million if they fulfil the order for $4 million. Whilst they remain completely unusable, FEMA has asked health officials in several states to find an alternative use for the unfinished soda bottles. Fill them with piss and mail them to the contracts department at the White House is my advice. And question yourselves as to why you're not questioning the culture of spending taxpayers' money on notoriously corrupt and officially banned business owners. Ah, yeah, Trump answered my own question there. As you were. Warmongering Lorax John Bolton is an asshole who refused to tell Congress what he knew about Trump so that he can make money from his book. That's not news, but it is the reason why this short section is the full extent of the coverage we'll be giving his book, which Trump is still suing to delay publication on the grounds that it's all lies or it's all classified information or in some Schrodingian way it's all both of those. Anywho... The book apparently includes revelations like the fact that Trump didn't know the UK had nuclear weapons or that Finland wasn't part of Russia and thought it would be cool to invade Venezuela. According to the book, Trump also encouraged President Xi to build concentration camps and asked for China's help to get re-elected. In a final twist of douchebaggery, Bolton said the Democrats should have tried harder to impeach Trump since Ukraine was just the tip of the iceberg. Christ, what an arsehole. Thank God we didn't read that book. (laughs) CNN released a poll on Monday last showing Trump trailing behind Biden by 14 points, 55% to 41% amongst registered voters. It also finds the president's approval rating at 38%, the lowest since March 2019, and the disapproval rate at 57%. In a superbly ironic letter to CNN President Jeff Zucker, which does its very hardest not to say, ah, it's not fair, stop it, stop it, stop it, gives a detailed account of how the White House press office actually works when arguing in the cease and desist letter to Jeff that the CNN poll is, and I quote, designed to mislead American voters through a biased questionnaire and skewed sampling. It's a stunt and a phony poll to cause voter suppression, stifle momentum and enthusiasm and present a false view generally of the actual support across America for the president. What they've inadvertently done in coming up against the actual truth is release a description of how they've been running the Trump campaign all this time. It's okay, Donnie. We're not taken in by CNN at all. We know you've been doing all that all along. The truth hurts, mate. The truth hurts. The Trump campaign finally got two races for Facebook this week as the platform took down 88 of the campaign's identical ads on the ground that they violated Facebook's policy against organised hate. Moving swiftly on from the revelation that Facebook is fine with hate so long as it's chaotic enough, (laughs) the ads featured an inverted red triangle which the campaign claimed was widely used by Antifa, but is much better known as the symbol the Nazis used to identify political dissidents in their concentration camps. The Antifa angle seems to be based entirely on a single T-shirt on a Design Your Own T-shirt site, which used the red triangle as a background behind the word Antifa. 
The fact that there were 88 ads is probably just a coincidence. But since 88 is white supremacy code for Heil Hitler, since H is the eighth letter of the alphabet, it's not one of those fun coincidences. Mm -hmm. No. Okay, in a packed week in the UK, riots in Bristol, riots in London and every other major city. A statue gets toppled physically, others get voted to be taken down, people designate themselves as statue protectors and turn up in London only to find the mayor's got their first and protected them with boards and police and stuff, so the protectors fight the police. Boris tries to start a culture war saying Churchill shouldn't be dismantled when no one said he should be. The mayor's protected him with boards already. The government fails to get schools safe enough for kids to go back because they're too busy making shops safe and then try to blame everyone in opposition for that. Despite that they all vote to not extend free school meals to children over the summer holiday until a footballer with millions more Twitter followers than Boris says they should and then they agree with him because it might mean more votes. Boris decides to paint his plain red, white and blue at a cost higher than feeding hungry kids for the entire summer, thus rendering the structural integrity of the plane, if not the government, slightly suspect. Sometimes you simply can't paint over the cracks. As Dennis would say, come and see the violence inherent in the system. Help, help, I'm being oppressed. <laughs> so, oh, what a giveaway. <laughs> so that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. You can find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com. And if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump, just like our newest patrons, Amber Buchanan and Adrian Clement. Thank you very much, guys. Very nice to have you as patrons. Thank you. And all of our patrons, including Amber and Adrian, will be able to hear from next week the newest book that we are reading and commenting on which is QAnon An Invitation to the Great Awakening which is so far insane so yes <laughs> astonishingly so if you want to join us for that go ahead and go over to patreon.com you can connect with us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallacious trump all music is by the outbursts and was used with permission so until next time on fallacious trump we'll leave the last word to the dominant. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye! <laughs>